Did you ever notice that Jesus asked a lot of questions? He does this for a reason. Number one, to make sure that we are really grasping what he is trying to say. You know, when you have someone, you, you ask your kids a question, do you get it? It's kind of you need that, oh yeah, they're, they're tracking with me. He's saying it so we pay better attention to what he's trying to communicate. Because if we drift off, if we kind of lose focus of, of what he's saying and we're not paying attention, we're going to miss something pretty important. Because let's be honest, Jesus talked pretty crazy. He used parables, all these different stories. If you stop paying attention one moment, you don't know how the fox went over here and then turns into a goose over here. It's like, what happens with Jesus? So we have to pay attention. He asks a lot of questions that keep us focused. So this summer, we have a sermon series called Questions of Jesus. And we are going to park ourselves in this sermon series till the end of August and answer all the questions that Jesus asked. You see, whenever you read the Gospels, whenever Jesus asks a question, I challenge you for this whole sermon series, answer it. Make it personal. Make it a part of you. Answer the question in your own words. It brings the scripture to life. So as he's asking that question, say, you know what? This is my answer. This is my take. This is my opinion on it. I get a chance to kick off this sermon series with something that's near and dear to my heart, something that's been on my heart for this past year, something I've been struggling with and dealing with and trying to work through and understand a little bit more. I think that it bothers me so much because it's a global church problem of what we're dealing with. We're struggling with this, and it's, a, it's hurting the kingdom. It's hurting the growth of the kingdom and people coming to Jesus because of this problem I'm going to talk about today. So the title of this message is The Court is Adjourned. Welcome online. Make sure you say, hey, that you're in court right now. Uh, let us know how you're watching and being a part of the service. But you know me. I want interaction. I want to hear from you guys. I need comments. I need interaction with this. So make sure you're typing during the message. But the court is adjourned. And what does that mean? You see, today we're going to tackle probably one of the most well-known Bible verses that the outside world knows. You know, everyone inside the walls knows John 3.16. They can recite it, even some people outside. But what we're going to study today is the most mistaken out of context scripture there is. Do not judge. That's what everyone knows. If you, if you bring up anything to the outside world and they're like, oh, I know scripture. It says do not judge. You can't judge me. That's what they throw around all the time because it's, it's a little bit that they remember. So I'm going to ask you guys, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 so we can get a full context picture of what is really trying to be said by Jesus. As you turn to Matthew 7, it's the beginning part of the New Testament. It's the first guy of the four dudes gospels. And we are going to go to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking. And we look at verse 1 in chapter 7. It says, do not judge others. And you will not be judged. Now, there was a survey done recently where they asked these young people and asked them what they thought about Christians, what they thought about believers, what they thought about you and me. And they gave them a number of different words to try to explain what they think of, of us. There were two words that rose to the top. Number one. 
at 87%, the people outside of the Christian faith perceive those who are followers of the way of Jesus are being judgmental. That is the number one word, not even by a little margin. 87% of the outside world think we're a bunch of judgy people. You know the next word that's right up there at the top at 60% is hypocrites. Now, this hurts my heart because I wanted to sink in for a moment. I mean, imagine right now where you are. You're watching church at home and you're listening. And there's a lot of people in the homes around you or the apartments around you that may not be going to church right now. And there's a lot of people, as we go to the community center, we happen to be smack dab in the middle of Camarillo, and there's homes all around. And if people aren't going to church, you know what they might be thinking? Well, there goes those hypocritical, judgy Christians again. I guess what are they going to try to pick on this week? That hurts. It hurts that we have this label now of being judgy people. Now, you could say, you know what, maybe they're wrong. That's not me. But then again, maybe they're right. From what I've seen, especially this past year, it's been tough for me to digest a lot of things I've heard, read, and seen. Maybe this is a bigger issue than someone else's issue. Maybe what they're picking up on is something that we need to wrestle with, that we really need a self-evaluation. And I don't think the answer of, well, we're really not that way is going to cut it anymore. We have to begin to take a look deep inside of who we are and do some mirror work. Say, okay, Jesus, is there a part of what they're saying that that may be true? Is there a little truth or maybe a whole lot of truth to what these people are saying in this 87%? Are they calling out a part of us that they want us to refine? That they want that we should have shaped? that you want us to heal, Lord? Is there a part of us that needs to be healed and is there a part that needs to be spoken into? And even though I didn't think that I was a part of this part of this problem, that I didn't fall into this 87%, I didn't think I was judgmental, yet when I stepped back and I began to evaluate some of the things that I had said, some of the things that I had thought, I saw that I was part of the problem at the same time. I find out that I actually am judgmental. And so as I studied for this message, it was going back and doing a a reflection, a self-evaluation of different times that I have dropped the ball, different times where I have missed the mark, and how I can fix those things for the future. And the fact is, a, a little bit deeper than that, when I started to look back at my judgmental ways, the part that hurts me even more is that it seemed to, I seemed to like it a little bit. I, I like the feeling of, of judging someone else because it puts less of the burden stress on me looking at someone else through a microscope. It made me feel better about myself. Like I said, this is dear to my heart because I had to go through some workshop experience with this. I was a secret judger without really taking notice of it. And here's a few things I'm judgmental about is number one, if you're a Yankee or a Dodgers fan, I'm judging you. See, that's I had you guys at this one moment. Everything was serious and everyone was like invested in this message. I lost every single person of this message. But I used to judge that. It's like, who who do you think you are going for that team? Uh, More seriousness, I am judgmental 
of people who carry the name of Jesus, but then use it to hurt other people. And the other one that I struggle with is I am judgmental of people who I feel are judgmental. Isn't that crazy? Because I fall in that category. People that are judgmental. And man, what is it? It was a gut check when I, I realized what was really going on. I'm someone that wanted to lead the charge of change, and yet I'm part of the problem. You see, we oftentimes carry this gavel, and sometimes it's hidden, sometimes it's tucked away, and sometimes it's brought out and it's exposed. I've noticed that I will typically put the gavel back in my pocket when I think the same way that other people around me do. Talk the same way that I do, believe the same things I believe, look the same way that I look. I can put that gavel away because I have nothing to judge. We're exactly the same. But, oh, man, if someone thinks differently than I do, if someone looks differently than I do, if they talk differently than I do, then I bring out this gavel back and I start this judging experiment all over again. I find myself reaching for this gavel, getting ready to say, well, you know what, I'm right and you're wrong. Let me come to my defense right at this moment. But maybe it's no coincidence that everybody we want to judge doesn't look like us, and doesn't sound like us. Maybe there's something that Jesus wants to draw to the surface this morning to cause us to wrestle with. So let's go into the scripture. Let's get the full context of everything going on. We're going to go back to verse 1 and lead into verse 2 of chapter 7. It says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Did you catch that? For you, you will be treated as you treat others. Put that in the chat right now, that this is about me. So you can put me, you can put you in the chat, whatever it is. Let's make this personal. We are answering the question that Jesus is moving forward. For how you treat others is all this is all about. So how are you treating others? What is the church's job? Let's step back and look at this from a, a church perspective because that's how we get classified in this 87%. What's a church's job? Well, we are a representation of Jesus Christ. We are meant to be morally correct, to go out and do good things in the world, to love people, to be there for one another, to cheer them on, most importantly, to bring more people to Jesus. That's a church's job, to accept people, love them, and show them Jesus the best way that we can. You see, you guys, you're a part of church today. You're making it happen. You logged on and you're listening and you get it. So now, some of us are a work in progress. So you can sit there and say, well, I'm not perfect. Good. You're not supposed to be perfect. You get to sit there and take the message in. You're still here. You're still trying to reach out to understand Jesus more and understand yourself more. You're a part of it. And I appreciate you being a part of this service. I, I truly cherish each and every one of you for turning in. But I'm discouraged because there's a greater number of people not watching this service right now and not watching church services all around the globe. And the part that discourages me and bothers me is that some of us have been the reason why people aren't tuning in or attending church anymore. You see, I'm the social media guy at church, and so I, 
I tend to look at other organizations to see how they're posting to get engagements, what the, the top trends are to try to use for a visual. And also with preaching, I try to stay really tuned to the news to see what's going on, to see where the world is trending, where Jesus is needing, all these different things. So I'm, I'm tuned in to a lot of websites, a lot of sites in general, trying to figure out what's going on and how to stay in the hub of things. And over the course of this past year, I remember stopping by a few of the different websites, whether it be news sites or social media, and the hot button topic issues were being talked about. Race, COVID, and politics. And I can't tell you how many times that as I was reading through these comments, there were some good comments in there helping people understand or building people up. But I can't tell you how many people I read where it was church members, and I'm not saying journey, I'm saying global church, going back and forth, throwing mud, calling each other names, where someone commented, is that what church is all about? Why do I want to be a part of this? I'm good being on the outside if this is what you guys stand for. We are supposed to have people watch us. And see a little bit of Jesus Christ in each and every one of us. We're supposed to have people watch us and say, hey, there's something different about this person in a good way. Instead of saying, oh, there's something different about this person. It's one of those Jesus judgers. In a bad way. You see, the problem is I think we have missed what our role in this mix is. Where are we supposed to stand up for things? Where are we supposed to... Listen, take a back seat. How are we supposed to bring Jesus into this whole scenario? Where are we supposed to go? I think we've missed it, and we've taken the role of judge, jury, and executioner instead of being a listener. So let me set the record straight of what I've taken from Scripture to try to understand better. You see, when Jesus says, do not judge, he does not mean do not think. That's important to realize. He doesn't mean you've got to agree with everyone. You can't agree with everybody. It's impossible because there's a number of people who disagree on things. It's just the way that we're programmed. We're meant to be different. So we are not always going to see eye to eye. You can't agree with everybody. Jesus doesn't mean that when you disagree with someone or that you think there's a better way that you've got to hold your tongue, sit on your hands and say absolutely nothing. He's not saying that. What he is trying to say is there is a certain way to handle situations. There's a certain way to treat people in general. There's a way to approach things to lead to the next part of the conversation, to lead to the next part of transformation, to lead to someone actually wanting to listen to you before closing off whatever vile thing you're trying to spill at people. There are ways to act towards people. Words can be a powerful weapon. So let me try to explain this in, I don't know, Dustin terms, which means very simple. Um, let's, let's break it down. So there was an image as I was studying for this message that I fell in love with. And there was this author named Sky Jathani, and he gave this great experiment of what words mean and how our opinions affect others. So he had a, a table out, and he said, there's a group of apples, and here's a group of oranges. You put them together and simply say, apples are not oranges. That's an observation. 
you're allowed. That's an okay way to voice your your thoughts right there. It's like, oh, okay, apples are not oranges. It's hard to disapprove that unless you didn't know anything about it. So you're like, oh, that's an orange. Maybe you just came off of Mars. I should understand what oranges are. You start looking it up to get an understanding to then base an opinion off of it. But right away, apples are not oranges. It's a true statement. It's not a moral decision. It's just simply an observation. Apples are not oranges. But let's break it down how the world would take that scenario right now. If we were to put apples and oranges out there, there is someone that's going to come through and say, you know what? Apples are less than oranges. Wow, how can that other people will start chiming in? What, what do you mean apples are less than oranges? And you're like, look at the color of this orange. It's such amazing juice. I can't believe you like apples. You are disgusting. We can't hang out with that person anymore because they like apples. They're one of those people. How dumb are those apple lovers? God hates apples. Like we just throw our own opinion back and forth. It's like, where did you get any of those statements? And how is that helping any of the situation right now? Con condemnation is giving your own verdict. So as that person went and said, you know what? I like oranges better. They're putting their stamp moving forward. Say, this is my opinion. Everyone else has to accept it at this moment. If not, we're going to get into a knockdown, drag out verbal fight. It's taking out the gavel. It's plain judge and not only saying that that thing that you believe is wrong, you are wrong. It's people who set themselves up as judge and point out everything that's wrong in everybody else. They are critics of one another. That is who and that is what Jesus is talking about in the scripture right now. People who carry on the gavel by saying you're wrong by the very core of your being, which is so judgmental and so painful to hear when you're called out like that. If you've been judged by somebody, you know the pain of trying to carry that feeling with you. Figuring out who God actually says you are once you continually get knocked down with these verbal discouraging remarks. It's not just saying that something's wrong. It's saying someone is wrong. See, you judge someone not when you assess their position, but when you dismiss them as a person. I want to say that one more time to just sink in right now. You judge someone not when you assess their position, but when you dismiss them as a person. This is a personal person thing. This is you and me. This is talking to one another. Do your feelings matter? You know, you can strongly disagree with someone. And we do. You can strongly disagree with someone over faith. You can disagree with them over politics. You can disagree with them and cut them off and shut them out. And you start to judge them. When you do that, you're essentially saying you are wrong. Just because I don't agree with you, you are wrong. So I'm done with this. Or you just keep attacking each other like I saw time and time again online. I'm going to tell you, by doing that, it's not a great way to win people over. So can I tell you something? You have to love the person more than you love your position on a particular issue. This is turning back to a love thing. You have to love the person more than you love a particular issue. That doesn't mean you ever compromise your position or fail to state it. The more that we are based in Scripture and understand what God wants, 
then we can have a pretty based opinion on what he wants for us. He's not saying to not stand for those positions, but what it does mean is you stay committed to loving those who you passionately disagree with. But hey, we're, we're not alone. This isn't a new thing. I mean, Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount, trying to get this whole thing moving forward, and yet the church still didn't really grasp what he was trying to get to. So James actually had to bring this up in his letter later on as we go to James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what you do, what right do you have to judge your neighbor? You are not the judge. Put this away. God alone is the judge. Where do we get off judging people when it's stated so clearly? It's not our job. This isn't our battle to be fighting right now. When we put ourselves in the place of God, when we judge somebody, like really what we're saying is that we're God. When you take that position of I'm going to judge you just based off of your opinion, I am now God and you should listen to me. And I hope that hurts because if I'm offending you right now, if you're like, oh, who does he think he is talking to me? I'm supposed to be talking to you because that means there's something stirring inside of us, just like it was stirring inside of me. Like we need to hear this. So want to know the hard truth on why we become the judge in this part. This is where it gets tough. When I was studying that, I realized that those who judge and let me tell you again, I am in that section. We judge because of something that we don't like in ourselves. We recognize the same hypocrisy in the church is present in ourselves. We continue to confront others in their sin, but always while being painfully aware of our own sin at the same time. That brings us to the next part of scripture, Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. As I want to take with us that, why, why are we judging people? Why are we so quick to voice our opinion and jump onto other people and start attacking? It says in verse 3, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. It's amazing on our walk how easy it is for us to point out others' sin when we ourselves are struggling to something so similar, maybe even worse. You know, there's times that I could have sinned myself and I would be walking around being pretty hard on myself. Uh, a little depressed, saying, why, why did I fall into this trap? Like, what, what is going on? How could I do this? I'm sorry, God. Kind of wallowing around a little bit. And as you're in that walk, if you hear of someone else sinning, 
or you hear someone else saying something wrong, ooh, are we ready to just pop up? We forget about everything else we were just dealing with ourselves, and we're like, oh, sinner, how could you do that? I can't believe you would even fall into that trap. Who do you think you are? I can't believe how disgraceful you are. See, don't fool yourself. You and I could be judged for something, anything. We, we always have stuff and baggage that we are carrying around. There's something in our life that's off. There's always something that we could be judged for. So Jesus is saying, listen, when we start to point out a speck in our brother's eye, what we're actually doing is feeding our own arrogance and pride, which is often what he's saying, the log that's jammed into our eye. Our judgment is typically fueled by self-righteousness and pride. We have a log in our eye, and what Jesus is saying is you don't see clearly. You can't help someone else because you can't see because of your own pain, because of your own brokenness, because of your own shortcomings. That's what we are projecting out to the world is all those things that we've been carrying around and hurting us and blinding us at the same time. That's what we are projecting out into the world. We all project what's in our inside. We all project our pain into the lives of others. And you know what's crazy? Is that when you look at, at someone that, that truly loves God, who's sure of the love of God in their lives, they're usually the people that are deep down broken inside, that have come into a place of transformation and are deeply aware of their own brokenness. There are people who are aware of, I've done nothing to deserve this, and yet the King of kings and the Lord of lords has showed mercy to me. He's brought grace down to me, and they're able to give that to the world around them. They're able to then walk with people who have these broken feelings, these broken thoughts, this sinful nature, and say, you know what? I've been there. Let me help you through. Let me be there for you. Not attacking them, but coming alongside them with love. Remember, we're supposed to be a representation of Jesus out in this mixed up world. The reality is that you and I have been placed uniquely and specifically by God in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in this world. And the reason to be the presence of kingdom citizens in those areas. We are meant to be life giving, not judgment pronouncing put that in the chat right now that what we are supposed to be put life giving i want everyone scrolling through this feed later on to see we're supposed to be given life right now not the other part you can't love someone and judge someone at the same time it's impossible it's easy to hold the bible in one hand and gavel in the other and say this is what god says trying to use these different terminology and words do it this way. If you don't, you're wrong, and I can't believe you're wrong. We have this urgency to judge. But why? Where did we lose focus? Jesus urges us. He pleads with us on the Sermon on the Mount to stand up as God's citizens, to be like him, but not as a God, to be kingdom citizens. Judgment is not your job. Condemnation is not your job. 
Let's get to the one who who's supposed to be the judge, who's the one supposed to be in charge, the one that's directing us. Let's look at him for an example instead of using ourselves as an example moving forward. See, Jesus didn't say easy things. He said really hard things. He didn't say what people always wanted to hear, and yet people who didn't want to hear him gathered around him all the time. He spoke truth honestly, and yet people seemed to love him out of the honesty. Have you ever realized Jesus looks a lot different than the church looks these days? Let's just be honest. Christians will argue, well, who's going to stand up for the truth then? But in Jesus, grace and truth are perfectly fused. Remove grace from the truth, and you don't actually have truth at all, but a cold, steely imitation. What is it about him, about the way that he treated people, about the way that he interacted that allowed him to be this non-judgmental, life-giving presence in the people he encountered? Well, instead of carrying around a gavel, he carried around a flashlight to point things out, to walk alongside them and try to help them learn and experience things, where if we hit a dead end in one way, he's saying, this is where you're supposed to be going, child. Not, I can't believe you did that. Where's your intelligence now? You should just stop trying whatever you're going to do. He walked with us. He offered us grace, love, and forgiveness. He gave us a way out. Jesus wants us to be the, that friend. He wants us to be that kind of life-giving speck remover in this world. People who care about others in such a way that we go and listen. Hey, you know, there's, there's something going on in your life. You have something in your eye, it seems like. Let me help you. Let me help get to the root of what's going on because I've been there before. Give life to people. It's not you've got a speck in your eye. Let me blast you on social media. Let me explain to you how you're wrong and the, the, what you're doing is wrong and that you should be embarrassed and disgraced. Let me beat you down over it. It's not supposed to be that way. The goal and the aim is always for restoration and wholeness. That's the goal. To be rebuilt to be put together by Jesus, by surrounded by people that love you, that want what's best for you. Because when we act like Jesus, we truly know the best interests in the world because we know who sent us. So repeat after me. The goal is not to be right. Put that in the chat. You know what to do. The goal is not to be right. The goal is to be helpful. What did it say in John chapter 3, verse 17? It said, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So let's get back to saving the world. Let's get back to this life-giving church. You know, our mission statement as a church is to love the world one person at a time. Like I said in the text, we can't judge and love at the same time. So what are we going to pick and choose? I want that 87% to dwindle down. And I want a new word to be brought up. What do you think about Christians? Oh, they love people. They care about people. They have hope for people. 
No more judgment. No more hypocrisy. No more all these things. I want to be what Jesus always imagined us to be. So what are some ways that we can start walking back in this truth? What are some ways to realize, okay, you know what? This message was for me. I needed a little self-evaluation. How do I move forward? Number one, put down the gavel and pull up a chair. People sometimes just need to talk things out. They may have a different view of one thing, and maybe they're wrong, maybe they're right. You don't know unless you get a chance to hear their heart and see where they're coming from. Stop judging them and say, let's talk. Go grab coffee or tea with someone. Let's just understand where you're coming from. Care about people from all walks of life. Don't dismiss someone based off the way they look, the way they smell, where they've come from. We're meant to love everybody. Don't start classifying before you even get a chance to talk to someone. You know, one of the things that's helped me through this whole judgment process is when I feel like I'm getting a little judgy, I stop and I pray for that person. I pray over the situation that's going on. I encourage you to do the same thing. When you're starting to feel those feelings of, okay, I'm getting riled up. I'm going to start to have a little debate right here. It's like, let's pray over the situation first. Pray for that person. Pray for yourself. Cooler heads will prevail. One of the most important things we can do is stay grounded in the Word. Like I said, this, this is our playbook. This is our life book. This is how we get fed. And if we want to stand for things, we stand for things that Jesus spoke and taught. And the only way we can know what we're talking about is actually understanding what he's trying to do. It's answering the questions that he asks and truly understanding what the word is meant to say. And the last thing is, check yourself. We got to see where we're coming from. It says in the scripture, you can't help someone else when you have a log in your eye. So are you in a place to help someone right now, or do you need a little self-care? There's no embarrassment in self-care. Everybody needs it. So check your own heart. Check your intentions. Check your values. Check your morals. See what's going on. And then we can start to assist other people. Very few people get judged into life change. But many people get loved into it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for scripture that sometimes hurts because we need to align ourselves with you and sometimes we just get a little off course even with our best intentions at heart we we've missed the mark and sometimes we just need to get centered in you again Jesus I pray that you'd help us because we're probably more judgmental than we think but we want good for those around us we want life and we want to be life-giving presence not to be condemning, not to be judging. We want to be life-giving, Lord. Help us to see our own brokenness, God, to help fight for life and other people, to stand in the middle of a world that desperately needs help and to bridge the gap from that world to you, Lord. Because our, we know that our words carry a weight to them, so we ask your words to fill our mouths. Lord, if there's someone that hasn't gotten to know you yet, 
if they're part of that the outside world that said, you know what, I don't want to be a part of that 87% because they got problems, but you're saying, you know what, when I actually read about who this Jesus is, I want to know him and I want to understand him because I need that love and compassion in my life. So if this is you, I ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I know that you died and you rose again after three days for me. Help transform my heart. Help me get rid of everything that I've carried around for so long that I have my, my judgment, my zones, my, my anger, my bitterness. Just let's drop all those things and let me follow you and be a kingdom citizen. We thank you, Lord, for this chance to learn about you and to continue growing. May we be life-giving. It's your name we pray. Amen.